Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome to the Dr. Connie Show House Calls for the month of May. So what's about the month of May that's so special? Well, as I look back, it's about remembrance. It's about remembrance of our mothers, of the memories that we've had, the count of people in our lives who are important. So one of the things I do every show in the beginning is I have my honorable mentions. And I want to dedicate this show to someone who's very special to this radio station. And that is Jeff Spinard, who was the owner and founder of Voice America Radio Network. He made this show possible for many of us. He made this show possible for me. And looking back, Jeff reached out to me about six or seven years ago, I recall, and asked me to sign on for the first season of my show. And he was very instrumental in making that happen. Sadly, Jeff passed away in November of last year unexpectedly. But he was an amazing person. He had over 20 years of broadcast media experience. He was the owner of World Talk Radio, which is the home to Voice America and World Talk Radio Networks. He would walk into a room, and he was a big guy, but he was also a big guy in spirit, one of those larger-than-life presence. So, Jeff, if you're out there, and I know you are, you're in a place of light and joy and the most beautiful sounds you could ever imagine. So I wish you great joy and peace. And I want to thank you for making these airwaves possible. So God bless you and your family and your friends. The month of May is about lots of birthdays. I'm going to honor a few people I know who are very special to me. And one of them is here in, in studio today with me because the show is about the special person. And our special guest today, and I'm just going to mention his name. We'll go back to him because the show is about this guest and his wife is the sculptor Gary Lee Price. And Gary Lee, Gary had a birthday this month, the month of May. And the other people I want to celebrate birthdays this month are Wendy Van Dyke, who was my nurse, Air Force nurse, years ago at the White House. And she is in San Antonio, Texas. Shirley Burns, who is my neighbor and friend here in Scottsdale. Paul Tuft in Phoenix is a dear friend of ours. Anna Roberts, I think, turned 94 here in Phoenix, and she is amazing. Jeanette Meyer had a birthday two days ago. Nancy Campo had a birthday yesterday, and I brought her some flowers, and we had uh, some coffee together. Dr. Lud Depish, who has been on my show before, he's a medical historian, has studied White House doctors, has studied presidential health. Happy birthday, Lud. Today is Maureen Francisco's birthday, and Maureen is a dear friend of mine. I've known her for about 10 years now, I met her in Seattle when she was a reporter and she interviewed me for one of the networks. And she went on to write a book entitled It Takes Moxie. And it was about how immigrants come to this country and make huge successes. So she and her husband, David Van Maren, have been on my show several times. And of all things, they've talked about this, the, the spiritual aspects of love and how to pick the right people in your life. Other people celebrating May birthdays are Bob Damon. My friend Michelle Clare, who is an amazing medium, is having a birthday coming up this weekend. Dan Grudenfeld, who built our home in Colorado, is having his birthday on Monday. Sally Udd, who is my personal assistant, has a birthday at the end of the month. 
Una Higgins, who's my neighbor in, in Sedona, has a birthday. Christy Galuli, who lives here and also on the East Coast, happy birthday. Hilda Villaverde is a dear friend, happy birthday. Rod Yoder and Yoli is a close friend of mine, happy birthday. The month of May also has a very special anniversary for me professionally because on Monday, May 23, will be 41 years that I graduated from med school. And that is a whole lifetime ago. I remember graduating in Bethesda, Maryland, the military medical school. We were the second class to graduate. And it was exciting. And it was also frightening because they send you out into the world and you have all this book knowledge, but then you've got to apply the book knowledge and take on clinical skills and learn what it takes to be a good doctor and to do no harm, which is the number one oath you take is do no harm. So 41 years ago, I, I became a physician. And I say, this is my longest relationship with anything has been being a doctor. So I look at being a doctor and I look at what mothers do. And what do we have in common? Well, we have a lot of things in common. We take care of others. And so May is very special for me, too, because I'm a mom and a grandma, which I really think is like the best job of all is to be a grandmother. So what is it about May and Mother's Day? Mother's Day is observed in over 40 countries. It honors our mothers and motherhood. Modern American version of Mother's Day began in the early 20th century at the initiative of someone named Anna Jarvis, and Anna organized the first Mother's Day service of worship and celebration at Andrews Methodist Episcopal Church in Grafton, West Virginia, which serves as the International Mother's Day Shrine today. So it is a special day where we bring cards and flowers to our mothers. We take them out to brunch or dinner. My restaurant friends tell me it is the busiest dining out day of the year because, hey, you don't want mom to cook that day. You take her out. So it's all about honoring our moms. And then if our moms are no longer with us, we go to cemeteries, we think about them, we say a prayer for them. So they are always with us wherever we go. But not everybody can keep our mothers for very long. And I, I think also in May, my mother um, had her birthday, May 18th, but she passed away seven years ago. And so I think of her often, especially in May for Mother's Day and her birthday. So we look back and I think of people who've lost their mothers. And there are many of us. My late beloved friend, Lisa Scaglione, told me, you don't really grow up until your mother passes away. She carries you in, in, in her womb. She cared for you as a child, as a baby. She worries about you no matter how old you get. It's your mother who looks out for you. And when your mama passes, Lisa would say, you better grow up because there's nobody else looking out for you. So what happens when your mother passes away and you're just a little kid? You know, a mother's death impacts people in massive ways in so many ways. And I, I think of my own family history where my father, Angel Mariano, who lived to 94, until the day he died, he still remembers and recalls when his mother died. He was 11 years old. They were very poor in the Philippines. And his mother, Luisa, was giving birth to her eighth baby. And in those days, they lived in this bamboo hut. And she was on the, on the, on the bamboo floor a midwife had been called because there were no doctors there. They had her on the floor and she delivered and the bottom part was covered because that's how they did that for her privacy. Her seven children were surrounding her. Her husband, my grandfather, was on the island of Corregidor at the time. He was a tailor 
who would sew uniforms for the soldiers on Corregidor. Think of the, the time of uh, World War II. So my paternal grandmother uh, passed away. She had placenta previa. She had delivered the baby, and the baby was born stillborn, and then she bled to death. And my father witnessed that. He witnessed her passing away. So three days later, as they were preparing to bury her, my grandfather returned and found the hell house draped in black. The children were draped in black. They went to the church and they buried her. But that loss early on in his life at 11 dramatically changed his relationships with women, with children, with everybody else. Because you learn that life is very very cold and cruel early on, and how do you survive? So our special guest today is someone who has suffered also the tragic loss of his mother, and he describes it vividly in his new memoir, which you're going to honor and feature today, because I want every one of you to go and get a copy of this memoir. It is so beautifully written, and it grips and touches you so much. Our special guest is Gary Lee Price. He is an American sculptor. I met Gary through his work. It was probably 2009. I was in Old Town, Phoenix, and I wanted to buy a Christmas present for my beloved husband, John. I had, uh, actually, no, he wasn't even my husband then. I think we were dating. I wanted to buy him a gift. So uh, I always tend to overdo things. And I walked into a gallery and I saw three of Gary's sculptures, and they were of these little boys who were holding airplanes or in airplanes. They were like airplanes, gliders. I'd never seen anything like it in my life. And the storekeeper said, well, which one would you like? And I said, I want all three of them. I'm buying all three. So I bought all three of them, transported them to my place. And then when John showed up for Christmas, I had each of these draped and I presented the triplets to him. And then when we got married and moved into our home in Desert Mountain, they were all over our home there. So I knew Gary's work way before I got to meet Gary. And that was about two years later. The the uh, gallery owner uh, had met with Gary and told him about me and reached out to me. So we finally got to meet in Utah at, at, where Gary uh, had his foundry and his his shop. I got to meet, uh, John and I got to meet Gary and his wife, Lisa, in Springville, Utah. That was about 12 years ago. And there was a time back then where John even took Gary up in his glider in Nephi, Utah. So before I introduce them, I'm going to give you a little bit of the formal information about them. But for more, go online, go on Wikipedia. But most important of all, I want you to buy Gary Gary's book. And he's going to talk about that as well as this massive sculpture that he's working on. So formerly Gary Lee Price and Lisa Clark Price have dedicated their lives to the vision and completion of the Statue of Responsibility. Together and separately, they are committed to uniting all of humanity. They have a firm belief that if you can accomplish your dream within your lifetime, your dream is not big enough. Gary has a deep-seated affection for world peace. At the tender age of six, he endured what many of us could not. As a little boy, he witnessed the unexpected and tragic loss of his parents and then became a victim of child abuse. Gary then took clay and molded his adversities into unbridled passion. It's a passion for positivity that was born. Art, 
chose Gary. Gary chose humanity. And to this day, Gary's work continues to glisten with light and hope for a better world. Lisa, who's his perfect partner, is a motivational speaker. She speaks to groups around the world. She currently also serves as a life coach. She finds great joy in facilitating women's retreats, family retreats, business retreats, most of which are held in the sacred space of her teepee on Gary and Lisa's property. Lisa Clark Price is also an artist. She's an author, entrepreneur, and most importantly, a grandmother. Gary Lee and Gary Lee Price and his wife, Lisa Clark Price, currently reside in Arizona, of which I am most grateful. Together, they have nine children and 16 grandchildren. The book that that Gary has completed that I want you all to get is called Divine Turbulence. And I want to welcome Gary and Lisa today to the show. Hi, you guys. Thanks for being on my show. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Connie. We are so delighted and honored to be on your show today. You are an amazing person, both of you amazing couple. And, you know, Gary, when John and I were touring your foundry in your studio in Utah, you, and you told me the first time about the story that you share in your book, I was totally blown away. And I looked at you after you told me about your mother's death and the circumstances and then what happened afterwards. And I said, well, Gary, how did you turn out so good? You could have easily gone to the dark side, but you didn't, did you? (laughs) No, fortunately, because of a few uh, angels in my life that uh, helped me get on the path. And I firmly believe in angels. Oh, I, I, I think you're right. I do, too. Can you share with the listeners what inspired you to write your memoir? Absolutely. Um, you know, the longer you live, um, I'm 67 years old. The longer you live, Dr. Connie, the more you see the, the dots connected, mm-hmm. the more you see this, uh, this divine, I call it divine orchestration. And you see how you got connected to so-and-so, and and then that led to this, and then that led to that. And it's just this beautiful orchestration. And yet I also experienced a lot of turbulence in my life. And so I thought, you know what? Wouldn't Wouldn't it benefit others, perhaps, if being down that path for a while, if I can explain that a little bit, and let them see that, yeah, there is purpose to life. There is meaning, even in the crazy suffering that most of us go through. And I just thought, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna tell my story. I'm going to be vulnerable and just put it out there. And that's what I've done. So can you share with the listeners what happened, that tragedy? <clears throat> yeah, so this was... Uh, mm, Sometimes I get emotional here, and sometimes I don't. But uh, it was in August of 1961. I was six years old. Uh, My stepfather was a serviceman in the military in Heidelberg, Germany. Uh, My mom and him had been divorced for a while. My mom had been been divorced. Um, They were married, married. married for a while. And we were transferred to Germany, and they had had an argument that night. And uh, my mom came into my bedroom and said, Gary, your your dad and I had an argument. Uh, come and give me some counsel. And here, I'm six years old, 
and here's my you know 20 plus year old mom asking me for counsel we were very uh very close and so you know i told her to lock the door and all this stuff she sent me back to bed and then the next thing i knew i heard a bunch of loud noise and ran out there and ran past my stepfather who had just shot himself in the forehead and then my mom was lying there in the hallway um in a pool of blood he had shot her uh three times with a 45 and so that was that was the end of their lives Gary, we're going to pause. I know we're going to leave everybody hanging with that last, but we're going to come back, okay? We've got a quick break here, and we're going to go back to that that tragic scene. But most important, what happened afterwards and how you recovered. So stay tuned on House Calls. We return in a few minutes with Gary Lee Price and Lisa Clark Price. So stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the president of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families, Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnyradio at gmail.com. That's drconnyradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. 
we left you with a cliffhanger, uh, that first segment when Gary Lee Price was sharing from his memoir and from his own memory and very painful memory of being a six-year-old in Germany where he walks in upon his stepfather having shot himself after killing Gary's mother. So as a little boy, you saw that happen, Gary, and then in your memoir, you write it so dramatically. It's It just takes your breath away. It's so beautifully and tragically written. It just catches you. Um, you're sent back to the U.S. to to be with who you thought was your father. And can you briefly share what happened then? It was almost like it was bad enough to lose your mother, but then you go back to the U.S. and what happens there? Yeah, that was crazy. My uh, other stepfather, um, he had remarried. And uh, they had a, a son, stepson, um, that was seven years older than I was. And at first, he really welcomed me into the family, and everything was cool. And then very quickly, he resented my intrusion into their new family. Um, and then he started to be um, within, literally within a few weeks, uh, abusive. And then it got extremely abusive. Um I, I think the, as I, and here's an un, other interesting thing. Within probably two weeks, I'm ending up in first grade in uh, Montpelier, Idaho, the AJ Elementary School. And my first grade teacher, she was the one, she knew what happened. And uh, this is the, what, the redeeming yeah. part of the story. She recognized that I had some artistic skills. And that was because my mom and I had spent lots of time together doing art projects and stuff. My uh, other stepfather, Ted, being a very jealous man, he didn't allow my mom to have lots of friends and stuff. And so my mom and I were really tight, spent lots of time together. So Mrs. Anderson in Montpelier, Idaho, every time I would do something cool, um, she would hold it up in front of the class and say, look what Gary Lee Price did. And uh, so all of a sudden, having these visions and, you know, yucky memories of blood and terror and all this crazy stuff, um, I was getting some, what would you call it, some recognition from something good mm-hmm. that I could do. And I, I look back on that. That was, the, that was the linchpin of my life. That was the turning point that led me to become a full-time artist, I believe. It took one person who took an interest in you. Amazing of all the horrible things that happened with your mother, mother's death, stepfather's suicide, you, and then your stepbrother abusing you. And it just took one teacher. And it shows you the power of one human soul to make a difference in a kid's life, doesn't it? Well, it does. I, I often think, uh, what, what would have happened if, Miss, if Mrs. Clarissa Anderson had been the opposite? Mm-hmm. You know, what if she had thought, okay, Gary, you got to get this scholastic stuff down. You got to figure out writing and sentence grammar and all this stuff. You know, that could have been a complete different trajectory. But instead, she saw what I was good at and edified that. And that made all the difference. You know, I think we all have angels and she was one of your angels, right? And when you see somebody suffering and especially a child, we can always be the angel there. You look at people who succeed and who come from such tough backgrounds, you know, with all the adversity. And things that when I met you, I said, well, you know, 
how'd you turn out so good? Look at you and your accomplished, successful sculptor, businessman, you're happily married, you're a father, you're, you're generous, you're philanthropic, and, and you've got immense talent. And now you're an author with this best-selling book. Hopefully one day we'll see it on the screen. So how did, you know, she was pivotal to make it happen, but you kept going with that. You're open to it. You just didn't ignore it. You kept moving forward. What are the things that guided you that, that made you move forward in your life? So I, I love, I appreciate that question, Dr. Connie. I love the quote by uh, Winston Churchill. When, when you're going through hell, keep going. Mm-hmm. I, I, I believe in, uh, I believe that we're going to live after we've died. And I believe that we live before we came here. Somehow I came into this life with a very positive attitude. And I think that has been key um, based on past experiences that that help keep me going and having faith and hope that in spite of all the absolute wickedness and horribleness and the craziness, somehow there, w- there was a meaning that and a hope for something better in the future, you know, and, and then, it, of course, in reading man's search for meaning and dr frankel and stuff it's like there there is meaning and suffering as hard as it is it it it's in a crazy way positive that it can actually benefit us it's, it's kind of like the phoenix rising out of the ashes in the fire can you share about your relationship with victor frankel's family and and where the statue of responsibility how it was born that is so crazy. I mean, here's this guy, Dr. Victor Frankel, a famous psychologist, psychiatrist, ends up in a, a Jewish gentleman, ends up in prison with the Holocaust and the Nazis and all that for years. I'm in this prison for seven years with a you know wicked dude, and somehow we get connected. And that was through Dr. Stephen R. Covey. Um, he wrote uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He knew Dr. Frankel, and Dr. Frankel in his book, after he got out and wrote Man's Search for Meaning, said, God, you know what, America, you've got your freedom. We had our freedom in Austria in that. What if in America, your Statue of Liberty, what if you bookended it on the other side of your nation with a Statue of Responsibility? And he wrote that in his book, and then Dr. Covey, read that and said, wow, we need to make that happen. So he had uh, given a couple of my pieces to his his sweet sweetheart, came to me and said, Gary, would you like to design that? And uh, it was, uh, yeah, <laughs> everything I believe happens to be with uh, responsibility and helping others and those that reach down and help lift us up. And on your website, you can see the the statue of responsibility. Where is it right now? What, where's you're planning to erect it? Where is it? What, where are you in the project? Well, here's the coolest thing. When I, in 2004, we flew over to uh, Vienna and met Mrs. Frankel. And she said, upon leaving, she said, Gary, I know where the statue should be. And I said, I said, where? And she said, it should be in San Diego. So we are in the process right now of finding some a space in San Diego to create this statue that will be literally 
the same size or perhaps a little bit larger than the Statue of Liberty. How tall is that? The Statue of Liberty is 305 feet tall. Um, she is only um, half of that height. Half of it is on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. Um, the Statue of Responsibility, the full statue itself will be that size. And have you sculpted it yet? You have the, you have? <laughs> well, I've sculpted the prototype. Right. And we are working with the architects right now and a foundry that can uh, create this thing. And so we're, everything is engaged and we're just anxious to find the land and, and get this thing going. So what else, what do you need to make it happen? Well, we're working right now with some funders, some major people, potential, that, donors. Uh, potential donors that say, okay, we want to make this happen. I love the quote by uh, Victor Hugo. He said, nothing is more powerful than an idea whose time has come. And we feel kind of like everything mm-hmm. that America has gone through in that, mm-hmm. it's like the perfect storm. It's like, okay, now is the time for a bookend to the Statue of Liberty, a Statue of Responsibility. I think he has to share with your listeners the story when he took his prototype to Vienna. That's such Mm -hmm. a key part of why this is so important. So please share that part. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, sweetheart. I appreciate that. So this is what's cool. We flew to a Vienna. um, Describe it first. Yeah. So it's it's two hands. It's it's one hand reaching down and another hand reaching up. And they're connected wrist to wrist. And when Dr. Covey said, hey, would you design this? It's like, wow, how do you represent responsibility? You know, it's such a big word. It's a powerful word. It's a, it's kind of a hard word. But I came up with these two hands reaching towards each other and flew to Vienna, showed it to Mrs. Frankel. Mm-hmm. And we're in her apartment. And she said, Gary, I want to show you something. She took me into Victor's study And she showed me on his bookshelf a sculpture that he acquired shortly after he got out of the the prison camps. Mm. It was a sculpture, a wooden carving of a man reaching up to the heavens. And she said, Gary, he would call, he he would, he called it the suffering man. And he would ask the question, where's the hand reaching down? It was a whole idea of supplication. And oh my God, we all go through suffering and tragedy and stuff but who's there to help us out of that right and she said you my american friend when i showed her the sculpture she said you've answered my husband's question that hand reaching down and for me and for her it was it was a i don't know somehow a crazy divine connection that we were on the same page and that that this was uh on path Wow, that is so moving. You know, I see it, and you've got it behind you on the screen that I can see. You know, as a parent, you know, when we hold our children's hands, a mother holds her child's hand, you know, that's holding that, the same type of thing of, of, you know, giving you protection of strength. I'm responsible for you. I'm Mm -hmm. looking out for you. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's so dramatic to see that. You've interacted with so many incredible people who would have ever thought that you would wind up meeting the widow of Victor Frankel and that you go halfway across the world and she would show you a sculpture, like, I mean, a statue of like that, just like what you have. I mean, 
doesn't that amaze you that those things come into play? See, right? that, that, that's where I look at this and I go, okay, somehow there's this beautiful divine orchestration to all of our journeys, all of our paths and, and what we attempt to do with our whole heart. And when, when we do that, uh, I love what uh, was it? Poello, Paolo Coelho mm -hmm. said, he said, the, the universe conspires mm -hmm. to help you uh, mm -hmm. reach those things that you put your whole heart into. And it was Dr. Frankel's vision and his idea that, yeah, there can be something that, uh, an, uh, something inspirational to remind us what our goal is. And then to be able to connect with that, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, you know, I find it amazing that you've sculpted for so many years. And you're a very successful sculptor, well-known. I mean, so many people have seen your work, have been touched by it. And on top of that, you finally, you know, the story of your tragedy has been private until now. And it's it's hard. And, and I commend you for doing that because it takes guts to be vulnerable and to share what happened in your life. But now, you know, with your with your memoir, which I read and I and it was so moving, it was so well written. And that's going to come out. It's a bestseller. And I and I are, you know, how do people get a copy of your memoir? Well, and, and I got to tell you, the, the, the very person that gave me the courage to do that. Do you know who she was? Mm -hmm. It was Oprah Winfrey. Oh, when did that happen? Years ago, I was sick in bed and I, I was just having a you know, just a miserable time. And I'm watching this documentary on TV and she is talking about her past and her life. Oh, and there's this beautiful woman that I so admired and she's being vulnerable and she's telling mm -hmm. all these things that had happened to her. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I had no clue. Mm -hmm. What that did, that opened the gate that I went, okay, it's okay now to share this. I don't have to just hold that inside and have all this, resentment and fear and shame and anger and all that and so i credit oprah winfrey i love her and hope to meet her someday and uh so yeah that that's how it came about i, I forgot your question <laughs> oh well how do how do we get a copy people get a copy of your book is it in heart it's on kindle the kindle version is there yeah. a hard copy coming out yeah you can order it through amazon and then uh, divineturbulence.com is a way to get at that website. Uh, we're offering that. I want pre-order right now. A pre-order right now. It'll come out, I think, in a month or so. Mm -hmm. The the Great. print copy. It'll also uh, come out just a little bit after that on Audible. Mm -hmm. We wanted to go through all the steps to make it very accessible because I believe this is a message that should be out there. My my main message and hope is that every child deserves a what what should I call it? A peaceful, fear-free um, childhood. Mm -hmm. You know, we, mm -hmm. we we need to protect our children, and and we need to watch out and be conscious. While I was going through all my crazy stuff, there were all these people around, and I talked to them later. Guys, didn't you see this? Didn't you know that I was going through all this? Even my step parents. Yeah, yeah, we knew something was up, but blah blah blah. And I'm like, hey, guess what? When we have those feelings in that, we need to probe them. We need to check yeah. things out and perhaps take, take action. Yeah. 
you bring light to that. Uh, how many people are suffering quietly? You as a little boy suffered so much. And I yeah. always think, what is the purpose of our suffering if not to let people know so that others don't suffer like we do? And maybe that's it. You, you know, I suffered so you don't have to, right? Which is in its way very divine. If you look at Judeo-Christian beliefs that Christ suffered for us so we don't have to. And so you went through all that, but you turned evil and suffering into good. And you made it amazingly, it is, it is, has become divinely touched with that. As you look through what's happening now, I, what else, what do you see happening next as, is it your sculpture coming to be? Is it the, the monument coming in, into existence? Is that what, what you hope and dream to happen? Absolutely. I, I believe in the power of our environment. I believe that when we see things that lift and inspire us, my motto is, my mantra is lifting the human spirit through sculpture. I think that that uh, we can lift each other through visuals. Mm -hmm. And I just credit the angels that have inspired me and helped me through this process. It's been a long process. I mean, here I am 67 years old, and I'm still trying to figure crazy stuff out. But if I can give back something that will help others, then the suffering was worth it, just like Viktor Frankl wrote in his book, Man's Search for Meaning. You know, I want to add to that because I've been front row seat here for most of this journey. And yes, I just yeah. want to recognize Gary for what he is gifting to everyone. Our phones have lit up in the last week. One week ago today, we launched the Kindle version and it instantly went to number one international bestseller. And over the past five days, as people have had time to read it, they've reached out and and just said, wow, they had no idea, first off, that this had happened in Gary's life, including family members. And number two, how it's given them permission to own their own tragedy in their own life and yeah. to talk about and to free some of that darkness in their own lives. Mm -hmm. And then I love how it does tie so perfectly with the timing right now that the statue of responsibility is coming forth after a recession, after yeah. a pandemic, and now a war yeah. that should not be happening, that everyone is open to the conversation of what does responsibility yeah. mean. and that We're going to pause, Lisa, for a quick break, and we'll be right back on House Call. So stay tuned, everybody. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? 
My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. You can like and comment on the Voice America Empowerment Channel Facebook page. This is the place to get and share advice from some of the best leaders on the planet. Get started today by searching for Voice America Empowerment or click the like button under the player today. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. You had an amazing hour with our special guests, Lisa Clark Price and Gary Lee Price, about his incredible memoir, Turbulence, Divine Turbulence, and their massive project, The Statue of Responsibility, which hopefully will come to fruition in the next three to five years, we hope, as a result of this book, and hopefully a movie. We hope and pray for that. But I'm going to switch to a lighter side. This is a fun part that we all love. We always talk when we get together about our grandchildren. Lisa, you you and I are, are fellow widows, and you are very blessed to have, have met Gary, and he was meant to meet you. But you're also a dedicated mother and an incredible grandmother. You know, as you look, when you combined your families, what was the toughest part about raising your children when this all happened, losing your husband, and then you raised them alone, then you met Gary? What was the hardest part? You know, I think one of the things that actually Gary and I have in common is the tragedy of suicide. I was widowed when I was 26 with four babies under six. My youngest Mm -hmm. was only six months old, but it was through suicide. And I think back then in 1985, there was such a stigma, in particular in Utah, Utah County, where I lived, that it just wasn't talked about and it was kind of a, a very hard thing uh, where now today we talk about, you know, depression and mental illness and prescription addiction uh, more openly. And so I think that was a very challenging, hard part for myself and for my children. And now I'm able to look at that and and see all the divine connections, right, Gary? Mm -hmm. Uh, We we have so much in common and so many things that we both relate to on such a deep visceral level that we want and will have the statue of responsibility in part be about the message that that hand reaching up. We've all been that hand. We've all needed help. Mm -hmm. We've all hurt and been hurt. And now we get to be that hand reaching down 
And that's our intention, even with emotional issues. How do you keep your family so together? You've got a big family. <laughs> oh, what? it's it's a lot, but you know, and with us moving down here to Arizona about four years ago, it created a really unique opportunity for us to travel back and forth back to Utah. Seven of our nine children are still in Utah. Mm-hmm. And honestly, this is the weirdest blessing of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Our time when we fly back to Utah for a weekend or a week, whatever it ends up being, is so focused on spending really significant time with our kids and grandkids there mm-hmm. that we have more quality time with them yeah. now than we did when we just see them for two or three minutes every day or every wow. weekend. So you appreciate it more. Blessing. You yeah. When they come down here, it's for a long weekend and we get real serious quality time. So it's actually, but, you, but you also do workshops, don't you, Lisa? Can you share what you do with women groups? You know, I think that love for assisting others came from my mom. You talk about moms and and both my parents, actually, they were both very interested in being that hand lifting always. My mom was way ahead of her time. She was an educator. So she was one of those angels that helped kids and inspired them. And she always inspired in me to help others. And so early on, when I was first widowed, I realized really quickly that I was the only person I could actually trust in mm-hmm. the world. And having only brothers, I, I never really had the sister bond and I never really liked girls. Mm-hmm. And so that's been a journey for me to grow into this sisterhood that I now call my tribe that I love so much and cherish that it's just it's, it's part of my soul. It's something that I feel I was born to do. I am meant to just be a part of other women's lives. I learn as much when I facilitate a retreat here as anyone who comes here, I promise. Wow. How often do you have the retreats now? You know, prior to COVID, it was starting to be about every other month, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'd kick Gary out. He'd go to one of our neighbor's <laughs> houses. and Too much estrogen. <laughs> yeah, way too much for him. But he is so great. He facilitates here. He's got a, a nice big art studio here on our property. And he facilitates his clay creation meditation at every retreat. And mm. so it's a, a lot of art. We do a lot of art therapy. We spend time in the teepee. And we learn a little bit about what what makes us do the things we do. and. It's so powerful to work together. And I'm really grateful that he supports me so much in this, what I call my passion project, because 90% of my time right now, honestly, is focused on the stature responsibility. Because you've really converted it to all that, just is trying to reach people, you know, to make it happen. Tell me what happens in the teepee. Ah, well, here's what I always say. What happens in the teepee stays in the teepee. So, yeah, you're going to have to come over for one of our teepee nights. Yeah. You know, we do regular teepee nights that are free and invite people to come. And we usually have a theme and a potluck dinner or some sort of fabulous meal that Gary prepares. And then in the teepee, we are able to place things in the fire that we want to release and let go of. And we also place in the fire something that we want to create. 
There's a lot of bonding that happens in the fire at retreat. Retreats are normally four to five days long and usually also have a theme. But it's something that I feel every person gets to have their own journey. And it's a really good way to transition from the hand that's reaching up, needing help, to feeling empowered with everything that you are gifted from the other women who attend who now become your tribe to now be able to go be the hand reaching down. So it's all connected. Do you still keep in touch, both of you, with Victor Frankel's widow and family? We do, but I got to throw in here, my gosh, her her retreats. Oh, yeah. <laughs> people, people, Amazing, huh? People reach out to her. So many of them have been back three or four or five or six times because they get so much out. One of the cool things, I think, Dr. Connie, it's a safe space. Mm-hmm. It is. For these beautiful women to share stuff. And Lisa has mentioned to me a lot of times things they've never shared in their entire lives. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they're able to unburden themselves from that, just like I did with my memoirs. Right. How do they hear about you, Lisa? How do they? How do women find you? You know, it's all word of mouth. I I do have a website, Mm -hmm. but I don't publicly put that out there anymore because the minute that I I did that, my retreats were filled with people I didn't know at all. And with the statue project and and some of what we have gone through the last five years with Gary's birthing of this 15-pound baby we call the book, (laughs) uh, we needed to stay just a little bit more private. And so it's all word of mouth now. And if someone's interested, they can reach out to me on Facebook and private message me. And I have had a few people do that, but we have women who have come here from clear from New York to Florida to almost, I mean, they're everywhere across the country. So I am really grateful for the diversity in that. And everyone, yeah, everywhere. So the the two things I want the listeners to take home are really to to get your book and how do they contribute to the statue of responsibility? How can they do that? Lisa? It's a a 501c3 nonprofit pending right now, final approval. And you can go to statueofresponsibility.org. And that's a hard word to spell. So if it kicks you out, that's why. And there's a place there that you can make a donation. Um, as Gary mentioned, we are right now finalizing. We have six potential locations. Now, for all these years that we've been working on this, it's always been, no, not here. No, not here. Until just recently, in the last six months, we have gained more traction with this project than we have in the last 10 years combined. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have places that are saying, we want the statue, please bring it here. Mm. And we're picking between those those locations. And then, of course, there's all the due diligence that goes behind that. Wow, that's amazing. You have people who want it there. I've got to throw in here, too. um, Projects, timing is everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Look back at uh, the Statue of Liberty when it was dedicated in 1886 by uh, Bartholdi. It took him 20 years from when the idea was introduced at a dinner meeting until it was dedicated. Oh, gosh. You know, sometimes you just you just got to stick with it. It's been a ebb and flow and an up and down. But Mm -hmm. right now is I don't know. It's the perfect storm. It is. And if you compare it with the journey of the Statue of Liberty, it's a very parallel journey. Very Mm -hmm. much so. So. You know, you have something that unites people and touches people so deeply that yeah. comes out of what you've been through. 
it's it does really do that. It connects to everybody. So as we're wrapping up, any final messages to our audience out there? Boy, one one thing I would say is that I think uh, I just did a Facebook post this morning on a monument that I'm working on that's going up to Alaska, and I talked about persistence. And so much of what we do, I think it's just sticking to it. And, and you know, I think about Bartoldi. What if he had given up on the Statue of Liberty? What if that wasn't there, that beacon? Did you know that he entitled it Liberty Enlightening the World? Mm. And it, it's such an icon. What if he'd given up? You know, yeah. we, we get to just, when we get a great inspired idea, we get to stick with it until it comes to fruition. And we get to rally those forces. Mm-hmm and teammates that have the same vision and we just we just go for it yeah don't yep. ever give up how about I, you lisa what you would know, you say i would add to that the second tagline he said liberty's real name is liberty enlightening the world well we're going to use responsibility empowering the world mm. and that you know with great responsibility you know there there's a lot that can be done and yeah if you don't quit. So that would be my message. And especially as a young widow and as a mom, a grandma and all the stuff that we've gone through with this project, the one thing that Gary and I can say that has really brought us to where we are is the fact that we have never quit. Yeah. But, you know, it don't give up. quiet during the pandemic for a hot minute, but that's not because we quit. We actually doubled down. Yeah. And we worked twice as hard during the pandemic to make sure that when we came out of that, that we were clear on what this was going to look like. And in closing, here's my comment on the Statue of Responsibility. It's more than a monument. It's a movement. And we are proud that we have dedicated our lives to this. We're proud our children are a part of it. We're happy that you're our friend and we're excited (laughs) to see what this next year is going to bring. Absolutely. Well, let's bring it about. So we're going to close our show with Gary Lee and Lisa Price and everybody get a copy of Divine Turbulence and go on the website to support the Statue of Responsibility and the movement for that. So everybody have a wonderful month. We'll talk to you next month. Take care and God bless. Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and